0: as a kid, my friends and I would play a lot of pretend games, often based on comic books, movies, or television shows that we were watching. Now, within my group of friends, it wasn't all boys. We had occasionally girls joining us to play these games, and that could get awkward because often in the things that we enjoyed, there wasn't a lot of female characters that they could get into and play right away. So when there are TV shows with female characters who were heroes, it became important to all of us because suddenly it opened the door for them to play a main character. One of the things we liked to play was superheroes. All of us had our favorite. I can tell you that on most occasions I liked to play Captain America, occasionally the Hulk, maybe when I was feeling angry. The two girls who mostly played with us usually chose from two characters depending on what we were playing. They would pick Wonder Woman, who is a great superhero, or they would play the Bionic Woman, Jamie Summers. I can't imagine that our play style in our neighborhood was all that different from what was going on in the rest of the world, so I can't even imagine the importance that characters like the Bionic Woman, or Wonder Woman, or any lead female heroes were to this earlier generation, and why it's still important that we push to have female lead characters on TV in starring roles. On today's show, we're going to talk about The Bionic Woman, we'll talk about the show that it spun off of, The Six Million Dollar Man, and how it spun off. We'll talk about the characters, the cast, we'll talk about the production, we'll talk about the music, we'll talk about The Bionic Woman outside of television, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. Woman was an American television series that starred Lindsay Wagner. It aired for three seasons between 1976 and 1978. It was, of course, a spin-off of the $6 million man. Now I'm sure that's a subject I'll cover in a future episode, but I just want to talk about the basis of the $6 million man, which was a book called Cyborg, which was written by Martin Caden, and it was first published in 1972. Caden was born in 1927, he passed away in 1997, he was an author and an authority on aviation. He began writing in 1957, and in total he would author 50 books and over a thousand magazine articles. But he's probably best known for his work, Cyborg, because of its adaptation into The Six Million Dollar Man in 1973. And that's where it got its start as a 90-minute made-for-TV movie. That film starred Lee Majors as Steve Austin and would go on to become a huge success and eventually get a decently long-running television series. The character of the Bionic Woman, Jamie Summers, would first appear in a two-part episode of The Six Million Dollar Man called The Bionic Woman, very apt. In this episode, the bionic man, Steve, goes back to his old hometown in California. While there, he rekindles a relationship he had with Jamie Summers, who is a top tennis player. And their relationship takes off, and Steve proposes marriage. Then, of course, because they're very exciting people, they go skydiving. And during this skydiving, Jamie's parachute malfunctions. She hits the ground and suffers traumatic injuries. Steve goes to his bosses at the Office of Scientific Intelligence and begs them to save her with bionics, and they do. Jamie's body is reconstructed using parts similar to Steve, although instead of an eye, she gets an ear replacement which of course will become a very important plot point in many episodes. She also has the fast legs and a one arm that's really strong. There's this sort of discussion about how much does it cost to build the Bionic Woman, and in this talk they ask if it costs $6 million, and they say no because it's smaller, which is, I guess, humorous. But in the German version of the show, this is contradicted because... The show is called The 7 Million Dollar Woman, so maybe those bionics got better between the time that Steve was worked on and her, or maybe inflation, which, you know, in the 70s was an issue. So her capabilities are speed. With her bionic legs, she can run really fast. Her right arm has been replaced with a lifelike prosthetic, and she's capable of bending steel and throwing things. She also has this bionic ear, so she can hear things really far away. Now, the unusual twist in this episode is that at the end, Jamie Summers dies after she rejects her bionics that have been implanted. But don't worry, Jamie will be back, because the reaction to this episode was huge. So they decided to spin off Jamie Summers, and the bionic woman was born. In the first episode of the next season, it is revealed that Jamie didn't die, and Steve was not told. Now, a side effect of... Being saved is that she had amnesia, which prevents her from remembering the events from her real life. And when she tries to remember them, it causes tremendous headaches, real painful stuff. Seeing this, Steve decides that he doesn't want her to suffer and lets her go live her life on her own as an agent just like him. Although in future episodes, they would frequently work together and establish a new friendship that might lead somewhere else, say marriage eventually. I want to talk about something about the show that I really like. And that's that even though these are superheroes who have superpowers, there is some rules to what they're capable of. This isn't just, well, her arm needs to be able to shoot out a fist and punch people from 30 feet. They establish what the bionics are able to do and then use that as basically plot points in the future to make the show more plausible. And this was mostly due to the feelings about it by the creator and executive producer of the show, Kenneth Johnson. He said, when you're dealing with the area of fantasy, if you say, well, they're bionics, so they can do whatever they want, then it gets out of hand. So you've got to have really, really tight rules. They can jump up to two stories, but not three. They can jump down three stories, but not four. Jamie can't turn over a truck, but you can turn over a car. And in the show, you will see the limitations that Jamie has, that almost can cause her to die, and it makes it believable that something bad can happen to her, or that she might fail, which I think makes the show better. After these messages, we will return.
1: The Bionic Woman sports car, new from Kenner. Here comes Jamie Somers. Check her out for the secret mission. Bionic system's okay. Gotta get going fast! It's out of control! The brakes won't work! Stop you with your bionic leg! Wow, close call! Bionic Woman sports car, new from Kenner. Jamie Summers, the Bionic Woman, sold separately. It's the Fembot, New from
0: Kenner. And Jamie Summers, the Bionic Woman, sold separately.
1: I'm Jamie Summers. Oh, no, you're not. You're a Fembot. Your Paralyzer gave you away. She's a masked me. Now I have to disguise myself as a mystery baby. No one will recognize me. Not even Jamie. Ha ha. Fembot comes with everything seen here. Jamie Summers, the Bionic Woman, sold separately.
0: And now, back to the show. This show had three major characters. We'll start off with the first one, Jamie Summers, who was played by Lindsay Wagner. Wagner was not the only one up for this role. Also considered for the role of Jamie Summers was Stephanie Powers and Sally Field. Wagner was born in Los Angeles, California, and there she worked as a model and gained some TV experience, was a contestant on the dating game in 1969. In 1971, she would sign a contract with Universal Studios and worked as a contract player. And so you would see her on Universal TV shows like Adam 12, The Rockford Files, Marcus Welby, and Night Gallery. In 1975, she was to play what would be her final roles fulfilling her Universal contract in The Six Million Dollar Man, opposite Lee Majors but she would be so popular in that role that it would spin off and she would get her own show. Post-Bionic Woman, she would appear in some made-for-TV movies about the same character. She would also appear in Nighthawks, The Peaceable Kingdom, and Ricochet. Most recently, she started to teach at San Bernardino Valley College in Southern California. Richard Anderson would play Oscar Goldman. Richard Norman Anderson was born in 1926 in Long Branch, New Jersey. After a tour in the Army, he embarked on his career in movies and television, appearing in Forbidden Planet and Paths of Glory, as well as The Long Hot Summer. Then he began a slew of television work before landing a role as Oscar on The Six Million Dollar Man and The Bionic Woman. After that, his resume on television is pretty expansive. Appearing on Murder, She Wrote, Simon & Simon, The A-Team, The Fall Guy, Knight Rider, the list goes on and on and on. Martin E. Brooks, played Dr. Rudy Wells, born in 1925. Brooks is a character actor, probably best known for his work on The Bionic Woman. Although the role was originally played by Martin Balsam and then by Alan Oppenheimer. But from 1975 onward it would be Martin Brooks. Post-Bionic Woman, Brooks had a pretty impressive resume as well on television, appearing on TV shows like General Hospital, Macmillan and Wife, Night Gallery, and the list goes on and on. Brooks and Anderson made history, because when this TV series reached its final season, it would go from ABC to NBC, and Anderson and Brooks would become the first two actors in history to play the same characters on two different series on different networks because they would continue to appear on The Six Million Dollar Man, which remained on ABC. The series premiered in January of 1976 as a mid-season replacement, and 13 episodes aired. The show was very well received. In fact, it finished slightly ahead of The Six Million Dollar Man in ratings. So it was renewed for a second season, where it would finish slightly behind The Six Million Dollar Man. And it was very well received in Europe, especially the UK. And it was the number one most watched program the week it came out there. Unfortunately, as the show entered its third season, ratings started to flounder. And on May 13th, 1978, The Bionic Woman would end. The final episode of the show is called On The Run. In this one, it's kind of Jamie trying to come to terms with who she is as the Bionic Woman, and if this is something she wants to continue to do. And there's kind of a thought that maybe she has no choice in the matter, that even if she wants to stop becoming the Bionic Woman and doing jobs for the OSI, that she will not be allowed to stop, and that she basically would be a prisoner in her own life. Unlike the Six Million Dollar Man, which ended just sort of with a regular episode on the run was written and filmed as a sort of resolution, knowing that the series would not continue. There was quite a lot of episodes of the Bionic Woman, but which ones were the best? Here's Metagirl with the retroist top five episodes of the Bionic Woman. Five, four, three, two, one.
1: Greetings, retro fans, this is Metagirl, bringing you the top five episodes and storylines from the 70s sci-fi action series, The Bionic Woman. At number five is season three, episode seven, Motorcycle Boogie. Jamie enlists the help of motorcycle daredevil Evil Knievel in an attempt to recover a computer tape stolen by the KGB in East Germany. Keep on mock-schnelling, Jamie. Number four is season two, episode one, The Return of Bigfoot. Part 2. This episode followed The Return of Bigfoot Part 1, which originally aired as an episode of The Six Million Dollar Man. In Part 2, Steve's life hangs in the balance as Jamie battles the Sasquatch in an attempt to acquire a wonder drug to cure Steve's radiation poisoning. Jamie discovers that the Sasquatch is being controlled by enemy agents, alien agents, With the help of Gillian, played by Sandy Duncan, and Shallon, played by Stephanie Powers, they overcome this control and help Steve. Jamie, Steve, and the Sasquatch then undo the damage the aliens have caused to the Earth's crust by creating a time distortion. Number three is season two, episodes 15 and 16, Deadly Ringer, parts one and two. In part one, Jamie's lookalike, Lisa Galloway, has broken out of prison and in her place, Jamie is held captive. Dr. Courtney mistakenly believes Jamie's strength is due to a chemical compound Rudy has developed called Adrenalazine and wants Lisa to get it. However, as Lisa settles into Jamie's life, she keeps the drug for herself. After a near mental breakdown, Jamie manages to escape the prison, but is being chased by security. In part two, Jamie is about to be shot but she manages to convince Oscar of her real identity. However, Lisa is losing control of reality as she becomes addicted to the Adrenaline and starts to believe she really is Jamie. Completely delusional as the drug turns toxic in her system, Lisa attempts to kill Jamie before finally breaking down and Jamie helps Lisa get medical attention. At number two is season two, episodes 13 and 14, Doomsday is Tomorrow, parts one and two. In part one, Dr. Elijah Cooper threatens to unleash his newly developed bomb and destroy all life on Earth if his demands of nuclear disarmament and world peace are not met. Jamie goes undercover in order to deal with him. Upon arriving, she finds that Cooper is dying and his orders have been passed to a central computer, Alex, which has been ordered to carry out Cooper's instructions. Jamie must find a way to prevent doomsday. In part two, Dr. Cooper's doomsday device has been triggered, and only Jamie can break through Alex's defenses and eliminate the threat of world annihilation. Her secret weapon against the supercomputer? Just add water. And the number one episode, or rather, storyline, from the Bionic Woman is... Season 2, Episodes 5 and 6, Kill Oscar, Parts 1 and 3. The three-part Kill Oscar series began and concluded on The Bionic Woman, with part two aired as an episode of The Six Million Dollar Man. In part one XOSI ex-OSI scientist Dr. Franklin creates female androids which he names Fembots in a plot to gain control of an experimental weather control device. Oscar is kidnapped and held for ransom. As Jamie battles the Fembots in an effort to rescue Oscar, she discovers their powers surpass her own and she is rendered unconscious before Steve arrives to assist. In Part 3, the effects of the extreme conditions created by the weather control device are felt worldwide. Upon learning that government officials plan to destroy Franklin's island where Oscar is being held captive, Jamie and Steve attempt to save him, slyly arriving on the island via the torpedo chute of an atomic submarine. Fighting fembots and extreme weather, they whisk Oscar and Franklin away as the device destroys itself. And there you have it, the Retroist's Top 5, or was it 8, episodes of the television series The Bionic Woman. Until next time, List fans, this has been Metagirl.
0: Thanks, Metagirl. The opening theme for The Bionic Woman in the first season was written by Jerry Fielding in Season 2, Fielding's theme was replaced by the piece of music that had previously been used as the closing credits, and that was written by Joseph Harnell. Jerry Fielding was a band leader and conductor, composer, musical director. He was nominated for several Academy Awards and would win an Emmy Award in 1980, the year he passed away. Joseph Harnell was born in 1924, passed away in 2005, an American arranger and composer, started his work as a jingle writer with Grey Advertising, and then would work as the musical director of the Mike Douglas Show. In 73, he moved to Hollywood and would work in film and television composition, working on shows like The Incredible Hulk, The Bionic Woman, V, and Alien Nation. For V, he was awarded an Emmy in 1986. If you have ever seen a United Artist film in the 1980s, there's this little tune that plays when you see the logo that was written by Harnell. After these messages, we will return.
1: It's Kenner's bionic woman. You can imagine she does bionic things. You can pretend people are trapped and she hears the call. A rescue leap saves them all. Or make believe something she hears. Her
0: bionic ear says danger's near. Rock slide. Never fear. You can pretend her bionic arm makes the coast clear. Mission purse drop. Her assignment's on top. Got
1: it. Without a stop. Kenner's bionic woman comes with everything seen here. Mission purse
0: assembly required. It's Kenner's new Six Million Dollar Man Play-Doh set. You can will see Boston Maskatron, too. Lots of Play-Doh adventure for you.
1: This is the new Bionic Woman Play-Doh set with all-terrain vehicle With Jamie, Summers, Oscar, and friends, you can mold them over and over again.
0: The Six Million Dollar Man Play-Doh set and the Bionic Woman Play-Doh set, each sold separately. New from Kenner. And now, back to the show. So after The Bionic Woman finished, there were several made-for-TV movies that explored a rekindled love between The Bionic Man and The Bionic Woman, Steve and Jamie. The first was in 1987, which was called The Return of the Six Million Dollar Man and The Bionic Woman. It's in this episode we meet Steve's son, Michael, In the second film, called Bionic Showdown, The Six Million Dollar Man and the Bionic Woman, which was released in 1989, we are introduced to a paraplegic woman named Kate Mason, who becomes the next generation Bionic Woman. Fun fact, that paraplegic woman was played by Sandra Bullock. The final film, which took place in 1994, was called Bionic Ever After. And in this one, we finally get to see the Bionic couple married at last. In that one, it's cool. Jamie gets night vision, so she becomes even more bionic. I know what you're saying. Wasn't there another bionic character on the bionic woman? And of course there was. There was the bionic dog, Maximilian. I didn't forget him. Maximilian would be Jamie's pet dog. He had a bionic jaw, and his name was derived from the fact that he was the million-dollar dog, Maximilian. And I always thought that that felt very comic booky. you know, when you had, like, Superman with his super dog and... You could just Bionic anything. Get a Bionic parrot. The DVD release of The Bionic Woman didn't happen immediately. Plans started in the earlier 2000s, but there were rights issues, and the release never happened. So fans had to just continue to try to find the show in reruns, taping it eventually eventually. The rights issues were settled and the show would get a full DVD release. And some of those DVD releases have audio commentary, gag reels, featurettes, so really worth picking up if you're a Bionic Woman fan. In 2002, it was announced that there was going to be an attempt to remake The Bionic Woman, and it was suggested that actress Jennifer Aniston was being considered for the title role after this, you know, sort of hullabaloo about it. It died down years past, and in 2006, NBC announced that they would be bringing the project back. The project's one-hour pilot was greenlit in 2007, and actress Michelle Ryan was cast in the title role, with actress Katie Sackhoff playing her nemesis. It was picked up and debuted on September 26, 2007. The show had mixed reviews, eight episodes, were produced and aired, and then there was a writer strike, and the show died in that time period and wasn't renewed. This modern Bionic Woman, I think, lacked a lot of the optimism of the earlier one. Certainly didn't have any of the lighter elements that kind of make the Bionic Woman and the Six Million Dollar Man fun, but I guess it's modern times, and they thought that called for a darker version of the Bionic Woman. After these messages, we will return. Kenner's new bionic woman, Jamie Summers, and the new bionic beauty salon, sold separately, assembly required.
1: Jamie Summers had a rest mission. We better check her bionic system. She's okay. Tvastum will be here soon. A will brush and comb her beautiful hair. Keep here! She's ready!
0: The Bionic Beauty Salon, new from Kenner, the Bionic Woman, sold separately.
1: <laughs> Jamie Summers with Bionic Mission Purse. Her designer collection fashions and her designer budget fashions, each sold separately. Let's have a fashion show. Here's Jamie in a jersey gown called Red Dazzle. Now here she is in floral delight, her summer party dress. Thirteen fashions in all, including country comfort, gold dust, lilac butterfly, and fiesta. New red dazzled designer budget fashion, Jamie Summers with Bionic Mission Purse. All designer budget and designer collection fashion sold separately from Kenner.
0: And now, back to the show. Course, because this is basically a superhero show, it would spawn merchandise, dolls, board games, lunch boxes you name it, and they made it for the Bionic Woman. Unlike the Six Million Dollar Man, there were things like the Bionic Beauty Salon playset, which I think is a, a big misstep. Have you seen Steve's hair? You're telling me he's not spending time in the salon? You could set your watches to that haircut. There would be two books that adopted various episodes of The Bionic Woman, a short-lived comic book series by Charlton Comics, which ran from 76 to 77, and a color comic strip that ran in the UK, which was written by Angus Allen and drawn by artists that included Arthur Ranson and John Bolton. In 2012, Dynamite Entertainment launched a new Bionic Woman comic book title, which was based on the revised continuity of the Six Million Dollar Man comic book, which was written by the director, Kevin Smith. What I thought was weird is that unlike the Six Million Dollar Man comic, which often looked like Lee Majors, the Dynamite version of Jamie Summers doesn't look at all like Lindsay Wagner. Later on, Dynamite would relaunch again, and this time they would have a likeness of Lindsay Wagner and a more of a continuation of the series, basically a season four of the TV show. So if you're a bionic woman fan, you can get it on home video. I can't imagine that at some point in the future, we are not going to see a potential reboot of the show. It's one of those titles that is sort of legendary and people will always kick around the idea of a $6 million man or a bionic woman television series or movie. I know that there's been talks of redoing them as sort of comedy films. I hope not. I think that sort of lighthearted, fun television series based on heroes that might not be Marvel or DC would be a great addition to our sort of superhero lineup that we are getting on TV nowadays. For all you Bionic fans, though, all we can do right now is hope and look back on those three great seasons we already have. And hey, if you want the fourth season, you could pick up the comic books. Or maybe get your friends, gather around, and make up your own stories. I call playing Dr. Rudy Wells. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com retroist.com and twitter.com retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks to Metagirl for another great top five list. If you have feedback for Metagirl, you can email her at metagirl at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. So if I had to have a bionic pet, maybe like a bionic goat would be what I would want. I can't come up with a clever bionic goat name though. Buck, because he cost a buck to build. This has been a reckless production. Goodbye.